40 somethings podcast back again with another episode and this week this today fabulous friday we have jesse tappan joining us he's a historian buff uh gonna get into some material today that uh i i really feel and uh, you know steve valley you feel that uh, we really need to bring to the service here and get out and talk a little bit more because it actually applies to what's going on right now in society so uh history buff jesse and uh steve valley what's up hey what's going on man jesse how are you doing today my friend you know what i'm doing well and first of all i just got to say big up to my red Sox. right back at you steve you know oh, you know boy. i had to go there <laughs> so jesse and i had worked on a project uh outside of our podcast and whatever life and so we came to realize i'm a yankee fan and jesse's a red Sox fan so but we uh and look, and we're coexisting. Isn't that great? You know. Yes, of course we can coexist, right? That's right. I actually love the hell out of Red Sox fans. I don't like Red Sox. Conversely, I like Mets, but I don't like I I like Mets, but I hate Mets fans. Go for well, it. well, you know, it's kind of funny because you know Yankees fans always talk about how they got class, and I'm just it's like, well, what is your definition of class from what I have seen? Because I haven't seen too much of it, you know. <laughs> especially you know when we weren't winning any world series at the time i mean i had to get get tortured by all the yankees fans it was crazy <laughs> oh yeah the, the chance of 1918 were so much fun i love that <laughs> i miss the bambino <laughs> i miss those days now i'm here in 2009 you know it's like shit <laughs> So we are here today, folks. We're talking about specifically with historian Jesse Tappan about the Civil War and a lot of misconceptions we got. And so, Jesse, what's what drew you to this particular subject? Well, my focus in history is, um, you know, African-American history and, and military history. So it's a mixture of the two. And I mean, the Civil War is one of those things where, I mean, let's face it, we're, we're growing up in high school and we are fed a narrative. I grew up in New Hampshire, and what I learned in high school is, hey, the North were the good guys, the South were the bad guys. I mean, the South, you know, they wanted slavery. The North did not want slavery. But then you go down to the South, and it's a whole different story that you hear in, you know, growing up. You hear... Well, the North was trying to take away our rights, and we were just fighting for ourselves, but we just couldn't compete with them, so we ended up losing. And there's a lot of resentment on that part and a lot of denial about what, why the Civil War was being fought. And so we don't get a, a lot of good history about it just based on you know, what people's understanding about it, even though there's a lot of great material out there that, that breaks it down just exactly the reasons why we fought the Civil War. I mean, heck, look at today. We still see people flying the Confederate flag like very proudly as a form of patriotism. I mean, you said it yourself that you saw it in in, in your high school, right? Yep, it's yeah. crazy, right? Sure. We, but, yeah, but but the thing about that kind of got me to study the, the, the subject more is that I, I sat there and even thought about it. Is that it, why are we flying a uh, flying a flag that represent from a country that basically thought that an entire race of people was subordinate to each other and that the, and another race 
the was a superior race who by by nature had to subjugate that race and and slavery was it was a horrible system i mean you're talking everything from just murder sexual assaults forced labor under brutal conditions it, it but a lot of people on that side to try to sit there and say well slavery wasn't as bad as what they say that it was actually you know black people were actually probably better off in slavery i don't know call me crazy but <laughs> i i don't think that i i want i want to be a slave especially as a black person i think the funny thing is though is that when you look at the true story about who was against what it's actually a lot more nuanced than that i think that's what we talked about truth of the matter do you was the North, what was it, was the Civil War about slavery? I mean, I don't know. What do you guys heard about it? So I feel like I probably had the same type of, uh, of educational upbringing as far as the public school system. I was on the East Coast in Pennsylvania on the Jersey border, uh, and they brought, they they really taught it in our schools and actually into my, my undergraduate work uh, at York College of Pennsylvania, taking American civilization, is that it was a war over slavery. And that at that time, you know, and Lincoln, who had became the, the president and was part of the union um, up above there, were just wanted to abolish that. And, and because because of the things that you had mentioned. So that's what I, I was taught coming up. I don't know if, if, if you guys feel the same way. Uh, it's not like they like dro drove it into our heads or anything like this was how it was. It's just like this. You know, I felt like I had a pretty open minded uh, uh, historical upbringing in the public school system. There is stuff that I've now later thought about when it comes to these Jim Crow laws and stuff that I think that they great glazed over and they didn't really like apply that uh, as much as they really, they didn't really hit it home. And I learned some of that in, in college then, but uh, yeah. even now when we talk about these statues and the stuff and the Jim, Jim Crow laws and the things but behind it, how like after slavery uh, there was still like, it, it was like, you know, if you were in places like Arkansas or Texas, it was basically still going on. They just yeah. weren't like, you know, apply, you know, the, 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 the new rules of like, you know, the fact that there wasn't any uh, that slavery was done. It was still happening in Arkansas. What was present that that it wasn't actually considered Arkansas then. I think it was a territory. But in say so it was Texas and Oklahoma. These places, it was still rampant, even worse, uh, because it was it was completely out of line, you know, than even what it was regularly happening. You well, well, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we, we are taught. But yeah. The fact is, yes, the whole thing was was about slavery. And no matter how many people from the Lost Cause mythology that came out after the Civil War might tell you, yeah, it was about slavery. I mean, you know, if you look at a quote from one of the Confederacy's, um, from the Confederacy vice president, he says, our new government is founded upon exactly the opposite idea. Its foundations are laid, its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural normal condition. And that's just one quote of many from a lot of these Confederate leaders. So yes, it was about slavery to the South. Believe it or not, Lincoln was not the abolitionist people make him out to be. As a matter of fact, a lot of people who were abolitionists weren't even pro-black. They weren't exactly even people who really believed that black people uh, should be even um, on the same level as white people. They weren't looking to gate grant civil rights. They just wanted to get rid of slavery because they're, because it was a threat to uh, free labor. And free labor, I'm talking about people being able to work and get paid, make, putting bread on the table. They, they didn't really care about you know the people who are suffering under it so much. And this is talking about the North. 
So Lincoln, as much as he despised slavery, and there's enough quotes on him to sit there and say this, Lincoln's motivations for the Civil War was purely to save the Union, initially. And we'll get to kind of later. I mean, they didn't see the Civil War in the North as a means to end slavery. They certainly wanted to stop it from expanding, but they did not want to get rid of it. And, and Lincoln even said himself, my paramount object in this struggle is to save the Union and not either to save or destroy slavery. If I could save the Union without freeing any slave, I would do it. And if I could save it by freeing all the slaves, I would do it. If I could save it by freeing some and leaving others alone, I would do that also. What do I do about slavery in the colored race? I do because I believe it helps to save the Union. And what I forbear, I forbear because I do not believe it would help save the Union. So his whole purpose in life was just to keep the country together. He didn't care. I think he cared about it. I think he would rather have seen it go, but he wasn't about to push it. And I think that's the big misconception that a lot of people have about the North. There's one, that the whole reason for the North was to end slavery, and it was not initially. The North did not have any interest in doing it, but the South certainly did go to war to protect it. So this is where the nuance comes in, is that what we're taught is North good guys wanted to end slavery. It's not exactly true, but it certainly is true that the South were fighting to protect it because that was a part of their hierarchy, their, their way of life. It was how they earned their money. It was how they earned their bread. And they felt threatened because a, 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 this um, no-name lawyer got elected president and he had his pretty strong views and they misinterpreted his intentions that he was going to basically destroy their entire way of life, which included slavery. So that's the part where I think people can you know, legitimately try to say that the war wasn't about slavery just because the North wasn't at that point yet. But very, and, and, and to even drive the point forward, several generals, John C. Fremont had um, tried, to, had, when he was a commander of the Western Theater, passed a declaration freeing slaves of uh, slave owners joined the, the Confederacy, and Lincoln actually overturned that. Um, another, uh, an, another general, uh, David Hunter, did the same thing, and Lincoln overturned it. He, 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 he wanted to take the politically expeditionist route. And L Lincoln didn't approach it when it became very clear that perhaps um, cutting slavery was in the nation's best interest. And one of the main reasons for that was international opinion. And that's kind of when he, he seriously entertained to pass the Emancipation Proclamation. And because and that, when he did that, and let, let, let's call the Emancipation Proclamation what it is, and we all know this term today, it was an executive order. So Lincoln didn't really free the slaves. He, he freed the slaves within legal bounds because Congress passed two laws, the Confiscation Acts, that allowed him to do it or allowed slaves to be free based off of con confiscation, off of contraband. Um, and he was able to actually pass the Emancipation Proclamation as an executive order under those two laws. And he only freed slaves that were under, that were um, from, from, from places in rebellion. Not even areas of the Confederacy that were under Union control lost their slaves. Like Louisiana was under Union control, and they didn't lose their slaves. But that's something that you have to understand about it. 
that was a turning point because yes, now all of a sudden we the the war became a war to end slavery, and now all of a sudden the the world started getting behind the Union because they almost Britain and France especially almost joined the Confederacy. So crazy to think about, right? Why were they interested in joining the Confederacy? And also, I well, let me go back to Lincoln real quick. Lincoln, interesting stuff going on here right now. If you have not known about some of these, we're almost re, we're almost telling you the real history here on the Forty Somethings podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. So with Lincoln, he really did. I mean, even if you look at his views on Reconstruction after it was done, it really came back to trying to get everybody back together. And at what point? Now we're paying because we were so kind to the South in the re, and in the in that era, that period, now we're kind of paying for those sins now because we've accepted that to a certain extent. Is that true or not? Basically, what well, I'm getting at is it, Lincoln was basically a pop, just a normal politician who did what he needed to do to be a president who didn't lose the entire country. Well, yeah. So, so, so now we get through the Civil War. We win the Civil War, and, and now all of a sudden. We passed the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments, basically granting, ending slavery, granting black people protection under law and citizenship. So now what do we do? We come up to Reconstruction. Lincoln, the um, predominant moderate, I mean, I think it's what I liked about him, is he was a moderate. He, he, hi, he, he drops his previous vice president, Hamil, Hannibal Hamlin, from Maine in the 1964 election. And he goes with a, uh, um, a Tennessee Democrat named Stephen, named um, Andrew, Jack, Andrew Johnson. So Andrew Johnson, this guy, like I said, the, you know, Democrats didn't go away in the Civil War, even though most of them um, seceded. But we still had Northern Democrats and a few Southern Democrats who chose to remain loyal. Andrew Johnson was one of them. And Lincoln gets shot, killed, and assassinated. And now, all of a sudden, you go from having the Republican, probably anti-slavery Lincoln, to now you have the um, like a rip-roaring racist Southerner named Andrew Johnson in the White House all of a sudden. And what was interesting about it was is that if the plot to kill um, Lincoln went down the way that it did, three people would have been killed. Abraham Lincoln, he, that they succeeded in that in that area, but. Vice President Andrew Johnson was also supposed to get uh, killed that night, but the dude who was supposed to kill him lost his nerve. And then uh, Secretary of State William Seward was also supposed to get assassinated, but the guy, and he almost did get assassinated. He actually got jacked up. He was sick in bed. Guy entered, stabbed him a few times, and it was pretty bad, but he ended up surviving. Basically, what John Wilkes Booth wanted to do in that case was cut the head off the snake. And... The the event was significant because when Lincoln died, I don't think Booth thought that it would help the South rise up again, but the South was actually quite horrified by this, Mm -hmm. and he did not get the support that he thought he was going to get, and it actually kind of helped bring the country together in a way that it hadn't, but however, you still had an entire area of the South that we had to figure out what we're going to do with them to get back in. Lincoln did not have the aggressive plan that people wanted. So you heard of the radical Republicans. They wanted to basically hammer the South and, and force them to make changes for the better. Well, Andrew Johnson came in, and he was super easy on the South. 
Lincoln probably would have been somewhere in between. And Andrew Johnson was so lenient on the South and, and gave mass pardons to ex-Confederates, allowing them back in the political process again. It started Reconstruction off on, on a really, really bad foot. And so all these ex-Confederates, all these people who fought um, against, the, um, against the Union to break away to free slavery, this is kind of the laying the ground roots of disenfranchisement for Black people now because you had a president that was sympathetic to them. And this is when the, the Ku Klux Klan kind of came up. But then Johnson gets impeached. He, is, he misses being ruled by one vote, one stinking vote, but <laughs> which would have probably put William Seward into office. And Seward probably would have been a much different uh, president. I don't know. But His Seward was, was Seward? a lot more like, Yeah, the Secretary of State. <laughs> it wasn't the time. cunt, was it? Was that B word like cunt? No, no, no C. <laughs> C word alert. C word alert. Well, C, C word was a lot like Lincoln in his mentality. So I think who knows what would have happened. But however, John, Johnson beat the impeachment process. We've never successfully done it all four times that we did it, even twice on one person. Kind of crazy. But Ulysses S. Grant, so great Civil War general, comes in and he tries to he tries to do the right thing, but unfortunately he hires all the wrong people, and it started to go downhill from there. He wins the second term of the White House. His first term was great. He was hard, strung, and getting things done. And and you know people were voting like mad. Sorry, black people. But then all of a sudden his second term comes and he's hit with all these corruption scandals, and it all goes down the drain. And then the Republicans, and this is where it kind of is the beginning of the end for Reconstruction, is when Republican President Rutherford B. Hayes got elected, he lost the popular vote, and they made a compromise. Basically, we'll put you in office, but you got to get rid of the federal troops in, this, in the South. And he did it. So the Republicans stabbed Black people in the back. So that they can get into the White House. And it was yeah. the beginning of the end from there. Yeah, it's interesting that you brought that up. I was actually just trying to chase that down. I was wondering if you were going to go into that, right? You know, because I feel that uh, not a lot of emphasis is given on that because it really applies to what just happened a couple months ago. It's the same type of scenario. Just uh, you know, it was like it was like some sort of a simulation that's replaying itself now. Uh, you know, with with what so basically essentially the Republicans really just they got they, they really teamed up themselves like nine of them and they vote voted this guy Hayes in they yeah basically voted him in to be the president so they they essentially stole the election back then um and 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 put this guy in and you know you didn't even have the media that you have now like if this would have happened nowadays it would have been like freaking out you know or, or maybe we wouldn't have but it, it just seems like you know for what happened back in november if people were saying like this is outrageous i can't believe this this is the scenarios like this has actually happened in this country before. And then what you have just brought up, Jesse, is exactly what that was. So if you guys missed that out there, replay the 47s podcast episodes, rewind that one a little bit and play that all out because that actually happened in this country you know, back during this you know, post civil war times because of this. And uh, it was really another outlandish, outrageous move by Republicans to, uh, to essentially steal an election, really. But, well, but however, though, let's remember this about, you know, the Republicans stealing the election then, though. The Republicans at that time were, were more like the Democrats of today. Because you got to understand, 
at this time today, people sit there and say that, you know, the Republicans is more the predominantly white party, whereas Democrats is definitely where minorities go. At that time, it was completely the opposite. And the Democrats were not and were not the party that they are today. They were the party of the racists. They were the party of white supremacy. They were the party. So the Republicans were supposed to be the good guys. I mean, they, 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 the reason why the Republican Party formed was behind this regional idea to kind of solidify the North, to solidify abolitionists, and to against a very powerful Southern Democrat machine. They, they, they were powerful. But what, that, what this election, though, did, though, is that the Republicans, the good guys, they came to power and they allowed the Democrats to gain more power just so that they can get their man in the White House. So it really wasn't them stealing anything. It was them selling out. I'd say that's a better way to say it, is they sold, they sold, they sold their soul to get into the White House. And it, and it started a chain, and that's when the chain reaction of disenfranchisement, the Jim Crow laws, that's when it all started to happen, culminating in Plessy versus Ferguson, where it basically segregation was declared legal. So we have this myth that the Republican Party loves to, to say today is that we were the party of Lincoln. We were the party that freed the slaves. You were also the party that sold out black people after slavery was ended, and you basically did not follow through to ensure equal rights for everybody because you decided to be political. So let's cut the crap there. And I'm not going to give you know Democrats any, any play either on that today, because how it relates today is that in politics, we still have this. I mean, the left is no more better for civil rights than the right is. They sell, they, they will sell out to get in power just as much today as they did back then. I mean, let's be honest with you. I mean, for goodness sake, certainly we'll vote Biden over Trump any day, but do we really think that he's actually the best thing to end the problems going on here? I, I really don't think so. I think he's a better option. Better option. <laughs> Yeah, that's all he got, right? And that, that's where pretty much what we've had the last couple times around, man. You know, it's just, uh, who's it going to be? Well, yeah, we are. We have been, right? And we're still dealing with the nonsense today that is even back then because, and, and even going back into this, how the heck is it that the side that loses the Civil War somehow managed to win the narrative and convince a lot of people that the, this Confederate flag here is about hair. It's not about hate. It's about heritage. It's a, we're, we're just celebrating our Southern heritage. I mean, for goodness sakes, look on what happened on The Bachelor recently with that, with a projected winner. I mean, my, my goodness. I mean, Old South Party dressing up in antebellum clothing. And, and I'm sorry, you were ignorant as to what the heck that means. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. I mean, does that really make sense to anybody? Yeah, we actually spoke about that. Vic can speak to that a lot better than I, because we actually had a big talk about that on a previous episode. But the whole point is we're still celebrating that the old South that believed that the natural condition of black people was in, was in servitude to white people, the superior race. And we're still celebrating that time period as if it was some great time in the South. I mean, on college campuses, no less. You, you know, and, and I don't I don't know this this young lady for, for the life of me. It's hard to believe that she did not understand the implications of what she was doing, especially since with the with the Confederate flag and and what that represents. 
And it's funny because you go to Germany, you're not going to see a Nazi flag anywhere. Exactly. You know, they, they've completely like, they, they've outlawed it. But yet in the United States, we're holding on to a lot of these images from a time period that nearly broke us up. And I mean, heck, half of, we got half of it, it, military installations, federal buildings, you name it, statues all over the place, named after Confederate generals, people who fought to preserve that way of life. But yet they're, 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 they're hailed as saints and heroes with a big monument of like a Mount Rushmore in the south of, of the, the big three, Jefferson Davis, Robert E. Lee, and um, Stonewall Jackson as the saintly heroes that they are. We're still trying to win the narrative, and we're, we've been losing the narrative because, well, one, the North didn't want to correct the narrative. They've largely embraced this narrative of Southern nobility and that the North got lucky because the South had better leaders, which was not exactly true either. There's a lot of things. The North, the South had some great leaders, but however, the the, the North had a few idiot commanders and chiefs, but a lot of really good leaders. So yeah, because that's the big thing. Is that generally it was the if I remember correctly, and correct me if I'm wrong, Gen General Lee. Oh, now I get it. Oh my gosh, but. Uh, Robert E. Lee, he was on a borderline state and they weren't sure which way his state was going to go. And that was going to decide the fate of where he would go. Is that correct? Well, yeah. So um, he was from the state of Virginia. And what, one, one of the things about Robert e. Lee, he wasn't hard up on slavery. I mean, that's the one thing a lot of lost causes point out about him. But he also wasn't hard up on giving. He didn't. He did not believe that black people were equal to him, and he wasn't about. He certainly was not a a friend to to black people. He was he was loyal to his state, which was Virginia, and he was offered the um, he was offered command of the Union Army when this whole thing broke off, but he declined it. Virginia and Virginia broke off um, shortly after Fort Sumter. More specifically, when Lincoln declared martial law in Maryland. Virginia said, mm, done, we're, we're out. And Robert E. Lee went with him. And he didn't take command of the Confederate Army. He took command of the Army of Northern Virginia because the military was a lot different back then. It wasn't the, the structured force that we have today. As a matter of fact, you, you, we praise the military today. Back then, the military, a standing army in the U.S. was very frowned upon. Generals were hailed, but the average soldier, it wasn't, it, yeah, we did not have the, the, the structured army. It was all state militias, basically. So that, that was also a big thing that you, you have to kind of understand with that. So Robert E. Lee followed his state in, in uh, Virginia to the other side, and he became like their great general, and he was pretty passionate about it. So Historian Jesse Tappan here on the 40-somethings podcast. I'm just enthralled here. I'm like blown over. I, you know, TJ told me I had another guest lined up here today, and uh I was like, okay, and I, I didn't, I didn't know much about you, man, and you just dropped in here and just dropping the science and the history, really. For uh, that's a better way, of just dropping the history the way it should be said here. If you uh, decide just to tune in today and just say, hey, look, I'll just see what these guys are talking about in the latest episode of the Forty Sevens Podcast. Well, you got just how it is here, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, and. Think about how, like I said, you know, I, I know one thing Steve wanted me to talk about was how does it apply today? Yeah. Well, 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 you know, you said something about your your high school, you know, growing up, like, and, and, and it kind of talks about it, Steve. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I and I didn't know, and that's what we really wanted to talk about is that, 
and I don't want to throw in some of my Buddhism background, but ignorance to the truth is one of the three poisons. And if we right. are ignorant to our history, we, we never learn. You know, we talk about what's happening. We talked about what was happening in the anti-segregation situation and the civil rights movement in the 60s. That side that fought for this for this Confederate for Confederacy and that side that fought for for black children and white children to go to school in separate schools and these people who stormed the Capitol, they're all the same people and they're all gonna lose at the end, in my opinion. Well, I you hope that they will lose to the end because you know, like I said, so far they are are winning the narrative. And that's one that's one of the problems that we have here is that they're winning the narrative. And, it, you know, we, we, we we're still at a we're still at a point where um, we're still trying to fight for, you know, what the truth is about it. I mean, people hold the Confederate flag up high and they sit there and say heritage. They, they say there's nothing about it. We had a whole family friendly TV show, Dukes of Hazard. That was my exposure to the Confederate flag as a young black man, predominantly white New, New, New Hampshire. I didn't quite get it or understand it and, until until um, middle school when I started studying history. But even then, I got such a, a, a condensed, whitewashed version of it that, that it became that I still didn't really understand what was going on behind it. The only thing I was told is it's a really cool flag. Even today, a friend of mine told me, I don't understand what the issue is. It's just a cool flag. It's a part of our history. But what part of our history are we celebrating here? So I'm supposed to be okay with the fact that flying over your house, a flag of, of a nation that felt like I, I didn't enjoy my, my rights. Thank you so much for listening to 40-something podcast with Valley and the Vig. We're going to be right back with some more from historian Jesse Tappan talking more about the Civil War and how it relates to today's race issues with our country. But before we come back to that, we wanted to give a quick reminder to everybody, Jibber Jazz Productions cutting a huge gash right through the pandemic blues as they come out with the 15th anniversary of the Mothership some kind of jam 15 some kind of jam this is the 15th one of these and it couldn't come at a better time it is april 29th through may 2nd in schuylkill haven pennsylvania at the schuylkill haven fairgrounds all the information you need is jibberjazz.com j-i-b-b-e-r jazz.com and 40 something podcast is going to be there in full effect we're going to be broadcasting we're going to be having giveaways contests and this is a ridiculous lineup, and if you know anything about Jibber Jazz Productions, you know they throw one of the best parties this country has to offer, particularly here in the Northeast. They have been a staple. Jibber Jazz Productions have had so many great bands play their stages, and this is no different. Magic Beans and Les Special are the two big headliners, national touring bands, and we are absolutely excited to be even just a little part of it. So definitely plan for details. Go to jibberjazz.com. Some kind of jam 15, April 29th through May 2nd, Schuylkill Haven, Pennsylvania. Tickets available now. Back here with historian Jesse Tappan. And we're talking about the Civil War, how the history was written, and how it is impacting us today. We were talking about how these things are applying today and well it's just really i mean as far as any questions i get because i was going to kind of bring this up and it was going back to when i even did the intro you know how how does this really apply to today and it really does you know it does it's like 
it almost seems like what happened back then is still now getting us today as a country and as a society because oh, there's, there's just a lot of problems right now. And, you know, do you really think that we're in a bit of a civil war right now? It's just kind of a hidden one. You know, I, I mean, we are in a bit of a hidden civil war right now because, I mean, let's, you know, we, we had probably the largest election in, in history, right? Yeah. But I think the difference between today and the difference between back then is it's not as regionalized as it was. I mean, back then, there was a clear ideology between the North and the South that we don't really have today. But yeah, it, we, we are in, at, at, a, at a point of division that we've never seen in a long time. I mean, let's face it, Donald Trump brought out so much division that was just brewing under the surface, and he made it okay to just be out in the open about a lot of these things. And he, he basically drew a line, a very strong line, is, is you're either with me or you're either against me. And even if you're in my own political party, I will destroy you if, you, if you're not with me. I mean, it was it, what we saw these last four years was wild. It's scary. And if we sit there and think that we won back in November, we haven't won anything yet. But this also kind of goes to another thing of what we saw, though, is we also saw access to the vote a, a lot more in 2016 than we ever had before. What do you think is the one way, especially hard right conservatives, end up winning and staying in power. They attacked the vote. That's exactly what happened in Reconstruction is they attacked the vote. And what are we doing right now? Georgia, Texas, Arizona, a lot of these states that lost to their side, they are attacking the vote and making it harder for people to vote. That's what they did in the Civil War. That's what they did. Heck, if you want to go back even further than that, a lot of states in the um, revolution, like New York's a good example of this, they allowed black people to vote if they were free. But when they realized how much of an impact they had on the election, they, they passed laws that basically said that black people couldn't vote. We're, we're seeing it right now with a lot of these states that are passing laws restricting access to the ballot box. And a lot of the hard right conservatives, my, my conservative friends say, say, we're protecting against voter fraud. Well, for God's sakes, voter fraud, you, you haven't proven anything. You, you're yelling and screaming about fraud, and court after court after court after court almost unanimously basically have shot you down. Even the Supreme Court has shot you down. There was no voter fraud. But yet that strong narrative by Trump exists, and is very strong. And it led to the Confederate flag being flown in our Capitol building on, on that morning. It's that that was such a disgusting day, man. It really was. And it's but today when I'm thinking about what Trump had done, it goes down to ignorance to the truth and not knowing history. And that is the problem. And I think what Donald Trump did is he tapped into a very ignorant part of our country. And you're right. It it you talk about segregation. It is segregated. I live on in the Lehigh Valley half the year. I live in Lehigh Valley in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and that's one of the more liberal parts of the state. But we had literally and my my wife and I were at a Wawa and we saw six pickup trucks, Trump flags and signs saying that Biden sniffs kids. And the the things that they believe are so far removed from reality. And how is that possible with our population right now is the question. How is it how possible? It's a, AI, AI algorithms on Facebook. That's how it's possible. Yep. 
So <laughs> you said it right there. It's very easy to get as much as it's easy for us to actually get information out there right now, social media has also made it very easy to get disinformation out there. Absolutely. And an they, can't, they can't fix it. They can't fix it is what now they're coming out and saying that they can't fix it. So they put these algorithms in place to spur on user engagement. And uh, in essence, to do that, they would pick things that were more controversial or, you know, um, uh, offensive really and put those to the top of your feed so then it would spur these these likes comments and stuff like that and now they can't fix it and now in, in essence trying to fix it they're making they it may basically make some of the extremist material come up to the surface even more so uh we, we got some problems here really in this country yeah well, jesse we, i have a, oh i'm sorry jesse i have a question for you so and after what Vig just said, and you guys seem like you're in agreement, but at what point is it free will of people who are are adding to this? At what point do we look at our population and say, you are a major part of the problem? I think we've been trying to say that, but the problem is, is that when you have people in power who will continually justify them, I, I think the truth is, is that we got to, and this is also another reason why I mentioned the vote, is that when when you do have people front and center? I mean, look at what's happening in Congress right now. I mean, we they have elected to Congress like a QAnon supporter. That that Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, nut, nut, you know nutcase that they, they got down there, and and other people in you know they're they're saying like publicly, no, it is okay to do this, but it's also not just the conservative side. I mean, if you look at the left side too, I mean, for goodness sake, you mentioned how segregated it is. Where does some of the worst racism happen? It happens in the, the liberal cities a lot of times. Where, where are the police being the worst and the most brutal? It's happening in L.A., New York, these supposedly liberal cities, Boston. I mean, my, my goodness. So, you know, one of the big things that got people against segregation in the South, and even think about it like this. A lot of people in the South during that time, after the Civil War, we're being told, well, we have to give black people the right to vote. You have to give them civil rights. You have to protect them under law. But do you think the North was doing that? They weren't. Doing <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I was leading to. I want to say yes. I want to say that yes, the North was a liberal union, and they, you know, they were like just like 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 how New York or Boston is 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 nowadays, you know. But yeah. right, no, I, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. So the worst race, the worst race riot of the Civil War didn't happen in the South. It happened in New York City, you know, during the race riots. And they and 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 the people of that city, when they rioted, they they killed black people on the street and burned an orphanage, a black orphanage, to the ground. So the South is sitting there saying, "Well, why should we do when you're not doing? Like you, you want us to let you want us to let them to vote? You guys don't let them vote. So why are we going to do it?" And that same thing kind of, and that's the one point about conservatives today that I do get about them, because a lot of times they sit there and say things like, well, you talk about tolerance, well, you're the most intolerant person I know. And it's true. So it kind of get back to what your 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 answer, your your, your question is, Steve, is that we unless we all practice what we preach and we're gonna say that we're not gonna be racist, we're we're gonna practice equality. It's got to be done on both sides of the line because both sides of the line right now suck at it. Because trust me, you know my, my you know my brother-in-law dated um, dated dated a girl of a different race, and her mom was was 
all pro-Obama, pro-choice, you know, quintessential liberal until he started. And, and, and But however, she didn't like, like the fact that, you know, her daughter was dating him. And I've seen this many times before that I that I, I date um, a girl of a different color, and then all of a sudden their parents become very anti-black very quickly when I thought they were different. So it's embedded on both sides, not just the pro-Trump side. It's on the other side too, and we have to recognize it. We've got to acknowledge it. And unless we can acknowledge it, like what we're talking about here, I think it's the theme here, acknowledge our history, but we also got to acknowledge that no side of the line's got this right. And if we're going to change as a country, we, we got to stop telling one side to get better when we're not trying to get better ourselves.